If you've not met me yet, my name is Gordon. I am, um, uh, I am, I, I work at Point Loma Nazarene University as a chaplain uh, for the graduate campus. But I also served as a pastor in the Church of the Nazarene for 20 years back in Hawaii. Uh, actually, I grew up alongside Helen at, at Honolulu First Church, so I get to see childhood friends here, which is really amazing. And, um, you know, after preaching for every Sunday for 20 years and then moving out here and serving as a chaplain, you know, my opportunities to preach have really shrunk quite a bit. And I'll be honest with you, for the first year that I moved here, sitting on my hands on Sunday morning was kind of hard. Um, and then after a year had gone by, my heart had healed. And I, I, we found uh, Radiant Life Church and Pastor Shane and Kelly. And w- the Lord just put on our hearts to plant ourselves here um, because this is where God would have us to be. Um, we wanted to be a part of a church that's exciting and has great potential to, to, to grow. And, um, and Pastor Shane is, is a great leader, so I wanted to put myself here and, um, and, and serve in any way that I can. When I was a pastor, I had great lay people. I had people that um, served the church and loved their pastor. And I said, Gordon, that's the kind of person you need to be here. So I wanted to, I said, Shane, whatever I can do, I want to be a great layman for you, a lay person. And so he said, hey, from time to time, would you mind preaching? I said, absolutely, I'd love to, whatever I can do. And so Pastor Shane asked me to share God's word with you today. And I just want you to know how excited I am. <laughs> I'm just bursting at the seams. So um, um, I'm excited. So a couple of weeks ago, as Pastor Shane and I were talking about, um, you know, how he wanted to start the new year, he said, you know, Gordon, I want to start the new year talking about spiritual disciplines, right? And I said, perfect, because you know what? That's, that's where my heart is as well, too. And the first thing that came to mind was, was this book right here. Uh, it, it's by Richard Foster, and it's called The Celebration of Discipline, The Pathway to Spiritual Growth. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard this book, <clears throat> but this book was very foundational for me. I, when I first read this book when I was an undergraduate student at Point Loma, Nazarene University, I graduated from Point Loma in 1992, right? Long time ago. So this is an old book. And when I was a student, I had to read it. And I remember getting it for the first time and beginning to read it. And wow, what an amazing book it was. I'm not a very strong reader. Like, I, I, I don't mind reading. I like to read. But I don't read fast, you know. And it takes me a while to get through a book. This book, I plowed through. I was hanging on every word. And, and at the end, when I got to the end of the book, I began to take everything that I read, I learned, and I began to apply it into my life. And for me, that time was transformational. It was some, some of the, the most amazing times of growth in my entire life. And, um, and my relationship with God got stronger as I applied all that I began to learn and, um, and then I began to think about today's message. I said, isn't that what we all want? Right? Isn't that why we come to church on Sunday? So that we can be inspired. We can grow. Our relationship with God gets deeper and warmer. He transforms us into the kind of person that he wants us to be. I mean, that's why we all are here. That's why we have a relationship with God. When I was reading this book, I remember just being on fire for Jesus, right? I was like, oh man, and my faith got stronger, and I began to find myself 
being a different person, God using me, working through me. I think that's why we're all here. We want to experience the fullness of what that is like. Because, to be honest with you, I want to be a better man, right? I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better follower of Jesus. I want to make a difference in this world. And I want to share Jesus with all of my friends and family so they can know the joy of what it means to be a follower of Jesus like I know that joy. I wanted to go on mission trips. I wanted to go and tell people about Jesus all around the world. I wanted to be a person that built the kingdom of God. And when I was a college student, that's where I lived. I was just all there, you know. But I knew that the person that I was wasn't the person that God needed me to be in order for me to accomplish all of that. You know, I was on on a path of spiritual growth, but I wasn't there yet. And, and, and I knew that if, if I was going to be that person that <clears throat> wanted to be all of that, to be a better man, you know, a, a, better, a better, well, I wasn't married at the time. <laughs> I, wasn't, I didn't have children. But I, I wanted to be a better man. I wanted to be a better follower of Jesus. <clears throat> and I wasn't there yet, but I was working on it. And I knew that in order for me to get to where God needed me to be, I needed to change as a person. I couldn't be the same person that I was. And, uh, and it kind of reminds me of where we're at right now, at the beginning of the new year. So here we are at the beginning of the new year, right? We're looking into 2020, and, and, and we see some things that we want to change, right? In 2020, we want to be healthier. We, we, you know, I want to do certain things in 20. So at the beginning of every new year, what do we do to prepare ourselves for the change that, that we want to see in our lives? We, we make New Year's resolutions, right? Some of us do. Uh, some of us don't. But I think at one time or another, maybe all of us have made a New Year's resolution or two. And, um, and, and when we make the New Year's resolution for physical health or whatever it is, right, um, we, 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 we hope that we can keep that resolution going forward, right? But can I ask you a question? As a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, maybe those New Year's resolutions have to do more with other things in life, but are there things in your life as a follower of Jesus that you feel like you want to improve on, that you want to get better at, right? Our spiritual lives, this is what I sincerely believe, our spiritual lives should be the most exciting part of our life. Because our spiritual lives, we engage the power of God with us to do great things in this world. And if, if, if we can live out the kind of life that God calls us to live, how wonderful that would be. Wouldn't that be the most exciting part of life for us? And the passage that we, that, that we began church with, I forgot to read the passage. I got so excited to preach. So can you put the passage back up there? It's Hebrews chapter 12. Oh my gosh, verses 1 to 3. This is, the, this is the, the, the word of God for us today. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross and suffered its shame, scorned its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, when it comes to the New Year's resolutions that we all make, we're good at it for a little while, right? We can start off the new year and and we can do great with our diets and whatever the case might be, but then after a while it kind of tails off. Why is that? I want you to know that I, I know the reason why that is and why some people actually make it through. When, when, when I was a student at Point Loma reading uh, this book, it, it, the, the, the place in my life and what I was experiencing helped me get to, to not only uh, live, read the book, but work out and live out those spiritual disciplines that, uh, that, I was looking, that I wanted to change in my life. I was a young Christian at the time when I was a student at Point Loma, but I wasn't experiencing this full and exciting life that I'm talking to you about. I wanted it, right? I know, and I knew one thing. I knew I needed to change in order for me to live out the exciting, life-changing life that, that God wanted me to, to live. And I had so much to learn. I thought I knew it all, but I didn't, right? And so... Um, we look at our, our, our lives at the beginning of this new year. And, um, and so I, I wanted to do some fun stuff so in my message. So what I have is I, I, I went online and I looked at, uh, I found on Google, the top, 20 new, the top 10 New Year's resolutions for 2020. Okay? For those of you who do make resolutions, um, I want you to take a look at this list. If any of these top 10 New Year's resolutions for 2020 are ones that you have made this year, just go, out, go and say an amen, okay? We'll do the countdown. So the, the, the 10th most uh, popular resolution was to set aside time for yourself. Anybody? Is that a resolution of yours? Say amen. amen. Okay, a few of you. Good. Number nine, stop procrastinating. Amen. amen. Number eight, improve relationships. Oh, good. You guys are all there. Number seven, stop smoking. Nobody? <laughs> Amen. Faster. Number six, manage your stress better. A few amens there. Number five, eat healthier. Amen. The chorus. Amen. Right? Number four, get a new job. Amen. <laughs> a few of you. Number three, exercise. Amen. That's me. Number two, to improve your finances. Anybody? Amen. Right? And then the number one thing, lose weight. Amen. We all want to do that, right? So here are the top 10. Wait, no, no, don't put that on yet. Here's the top 10 uh, New Year's resolutions for 2020. All right? Um, and uh, so you said amen to those. And, and I'd say you said amen to 90% of them because nobody here smokes, I don't think. <laughs> and if you do, it's okay. If you, so that's okay. But if you want to stop, that's a great New Year's resolution to make. I hope you're able to live out those things for the whole year. Because if you do, you'll be a much healthier person. In the past, when I have made resolutions, I'll be honest with you, I did it well for a little while, and then I stopped. Right? And I think that's the case for a majority of people. And there's a reason why that is. 
Okay? And there's a reason why there are those that actually make it. And I'm going to take a moment to share that with you. But as Christians, right, we talked about um, spiritual disciplines that Pastor wanted to bring up at the beginning of the year. Um, and, and we want to do better in 2020 of some of the spiritual disciplines that, that, we, that we know we should do, but maybe we don't do as much. But hopefully in the new year we can do better. Right? And if we do better, we're going to grow deeper and wiser and our relationship with Jesus will grow stronger and we'll start to live this exciting life that God wants us to live. We all need to mature in Christ, right? But can I ask you a question? Have you ever thought about this? How do I, how do I get healthier spiritually? Now, we can... Take all this and see, this is how I get healthier physically. You know, uh, uh, Frank can help us with that. <laughs> all right. How do you get healthier spiritually? That's a, that's a really good question. Do we do more push-ups spiritually? You know, uh, how, do you, how do we do that? Well, there are spiritual disciplines that we can live out to get us to be more healthy in our spiritual lives. We practice spiritual disciplines, right? And so, I want to share with you another list. It's the top 10 uh, spiritual disciplines of 2020. Okay? So, in the same way, if you would like to live this out in 2020 as a spiritual discipline, maybe your spiritual New Year's resolution, if this is you, say amen if this is uh, if, if if what you feel like you want to do shows up on the list, okay. Number ten, worship more deeply. Anybody? Amen. Amen. Oh, good, good. How about number nine? Read and study the Bible more. You want to do that? Anybody? Amen. Okay. Number eight, get more involved in the life of the church. Anybody? Amen. amen. I say amen to that. Number seven, stop smoking. Well, how's that? <laughs> How did that get in there? Is that... <laughs> okay. Number six. Uh, memorize scripture. Anybody want to memorize scripture more? I do, because that's a great spiritual discipline. When you don't have your Bible, you can still talk about the Word of God. That's amazing. How about number six, number five? Give more and give more joyfully. Amen. I do. I do. That's great. Number four. Forgive better. Ooh, amen. That's a hard one, right? How do we? Can I tell you that if we learn to do that, we grow spiritually, we grow healthier. See, these things so far on the spiritual disciplines list, if you do it, that helps you grow healthier spiritually, right? Number three, serve the poor. You know that when you do that, you're the one that's even more blessed than the people you go serve? If you've never helped people, if you've never gone to serve at the, uh, a feed at the homeless shelter, if you've never gone on a mission trip, you have no idea what you're missing. This is so amazing. You, when you go, are the one that's blessed. Number two, pray and fast. Anybody want to do that more or better? Amen, I do. You know what? I know that if I do that, it'll help me grow spiritually. That's how we grow deeper in love with Jesus. What is number one? Lose weight. Well, <laughs> that's funny. That's because two of them are the same as the New Year's resolutions. Amazing. 
I, I share this list with you, right? Because there's one thing that I know. That there's a, a couple of similar things about these two lists. The one thing that's similar is that if we live this out throughout the year, on the left side, we'll grow healthier physically, right? We'll get stronger, we'll grow healthier, we'll, we'll, we'll just be better people physically. If we do what's on the right, what's on your right side, <laughs> is we'll grow healthier spiritually, right? We'll grow healthier spiritually. There's another thing that's common about these two lists. Disciplines are hard to do. Can I get an amen? amen. It's hard to do, right? You, I, I, I want to improve my finances, or I want to lose weight, or I want to exercise, and I'll do it great for a week or two, but then the discipline of doing it is like, oh, and it's hard, and we stop. And then we might pick it up in April, because <laughs> you said in March everybody quits, right? And that's, that's the best time to buy like equipment. <laughs> yeah. And then you, get, you, you feel guilty about yourself. Maybe you pick it up in April, and you're good for a couple of weeks, and then you stop, and it's not maybe till September that you try to start again because you want to get healthier before the holidays. <laughs> and you know what? Still, the spiritual side, always, honestly, same thing. We grab our Bibles and we start reading in January, and we may be good till the third week. And then life kicks in. And then we stop. And we might stop till April <laughs> when you got to pay your taxes and you're like, oh, God help me. <laughs> and then you, you pick up your Bible again. And the consistency of living out the spiritual disciplines of our lives is kind of like you know, setting New Year's resolutions. It's hard. And I know it because I'm a regular, ordinary person just like you. But can I tell you something about how people succeed in, on both sides? I'll give you a story from my life that, that kind of illustrates this very, very beautifully. When I was, when I was uh, younger, much, much younger, <laughs> I was a lot healthier because I, I, I loved playing basketball. And I remember as a kid going to the community center to sign up for basketball for the very first time. I was in the fourth grade. And when I, when I, when I got there, I didn't know anything about basketball except I watched it on TV. And I said, man, that looks like fun. So I, I signed up and registered to play basketball. And I showed up at the park, and there were 50 kids there, and some of the kids went to my school, some kids went to another school, and they ranged from 4th to 7th grade, and I was in the 4th grade, so I was one of the smallest kids there. And um, so they said, okay, everybody, line up, and they had us run, and I ran as fast as I could, and we did sprints across, and there were coaches over there taking notes, and what's your name? Okay, all right. And then they had us line up and do do basic fundamental things. Dribble the basketball down the court. And all the fourth graders, right, dribble and then the ball goes rolling off and we have to run and pick it back up and then the ball goes rolling off. All the seventh graders, you know, they were all dribbling really well, coming back and they were taking notes on everybody. And then they had us line up and do passing drills and we couldn't, you know, the little kids, we couldn't catch the ball because the seventh graders, they threw real hard, it'd fall. And then they, they'd have us do layups, and I'd never done a layup before. And so I'd go there and I'd throw the ball on the back and, you know, and didn't know what I was doing. 
So at the end of the week, they grouped us into three teams. The A team, the B team, and the C team. And all the fourth graders were on the C team. And a couple of sixth graders that weren't very good. <laughs> so I got on the C team. I was excited. I made the team, right? And we were terrible. So the first month of our practice, the coach went over the fundamentals of basketball, right? Just how to stand. <laughs> this is how you stand in basketball. You spread your feet apart and, you know, you shuffle your feet. So we learn how to shuffle our feet. Oh, wow. I learned that. And then he said, okay, now we're going to learn to dribble. So he taught us how to dribble. These are just the fundamentals. And we spent the first two weeks learning fundamentals, learning to dribble the basketball down court and back with both your right and your left hand. And at the beginning of the week, we were all awful. But towards the end of the week, we could actually do it. And then, after we learned how to dribble, along with that, we passed the ball to one another because all we did was we threw the basketball like a football. <laughs> and he goes, no, that's not how you do it. You pass the basketball. And we, we shuffled our feet and put everything into practice. And we passed the basketball. And then he taught us how to do a layup. And at the beginning of the week, none of us could make layups. But by the end of the week, a few of us could make a couple of layups. And it was so much fun. We were learning and growing. And at the end of the practice, every week, we would do wind sprints. They would make us run like crazy. And we were like just gagging. because, you know, But they were preparing us to get ready to play for the, in, in the games. Because in the game, we had to be conditioned well. We had to learn how to dribble and play and pass and do all the fundamentals well. And after the first week went by, the second week, they began to teach us how to run plays. And that was, what? There's plays to do? And so, okay, this is the play. You stand here and you set a screen. And so we learned plays. Then when we came to practice, we did fundamentals real quick, warmed up with layups, and then we learned plays. And after we got done with the plays, we'd scrimmage one another and and chaos would break out. (laughs) And after three weeks, we played our first game. Whoo, our first game. They gave us these Beautiful uniforms. I was just so stoked. (sighs) But I will tell you, my first year of basketball, the first game we played, we played the eventual champions. All right? So we were the Palama Settlement Scorpions C team. That was who we are. There was a B team and there was the A team. The champions at the end of the season that year was the Pearl City Chargers. Okay? They were good. They were big. They were all seventh graders. And that first game, I'm going to tell, this is honest, and, you know, I played lots of basketball. I've forgotten more about basketball than I remember, but this is one thing I remember. That first game I ever played, we lost, because they were the eventual champions. They're huge. The score was 79 to zero. Yeah. It was, it was brutal. We came out. They, they pressed us. I don't know if you know what press is, but they full court pressed us for the first three quarters. <laughs> At halftime, we were losing 45-0. I remember all of this as if it was yesterday. And even though that loss was embarrassing, and in fact, we lost every single game that year. We didn't win a single game. It was brutal, right? My love for basketball was still growing. You know why? I was improving all the time. In fact, the second game, I still remember this, we lost that game 2 to 12. 
and I scored two points. <laughs> we lost the game. I couldn't be any happier. <laughs> so I scored two points, and we lost the game. And my love for basketball was so, it grew, grew, it grew so much that when I went to Point Loma Nazarene College, Nazarene University, it was college when I was there, I joined the basketball team and I made the team. It was the junior varsity team because I'm too short and I'm too slow. And even though I love basketball, these play guys, you know, they were just huge 6'3", six, 6'4", six, point guards, and I, I couldn't compete with that. Um, but I still love basketball. And when I got to college, the practice was even more intense, right? They had us doing crazy stuff. that You had to commit yourself for at least two hours, Monday through Friday. And you'd just go there, and you'd practice and practice and practice. But you know what I found? That when I practiced those things, I got better at it. And the best part about all that is that I was on a team, and we did it together. And even though my Palama Settlement Scorpion C team didn't win a single game, when I was a kid, those were some of my best friends because we got to do it together. And my love for basketball helped me to get to those practices on time and be disciplined and learn and grow and get better all the time. And had it not been for the fact that I love basketball, I never would have done it. In fact, there were kids that came that didn't like basketball. And you know what happened? They quit. Because they didn't love basketball. I don't know if you see where this is going. But when it comes to our faith and our spiritual life and our relationship with God, the desires that we have to live out our spiritual lives that help us to experience the most exciting life that God could give anybody, right? This life that, that as I live it out for the glory of God, that, that can affect people's lives, that can change the world, but I need to be a better person. So I devote myself to some of these disciplines, but you know what? To read God's word just for the sake of reading it, I could do that for three weeks and I'll stop. And I could kneel down at my bedside and pray for a month, but eventually I'll stop. If there's nothing that I love that's driving me to do it, and then if I don't do it with others, a team. And so the thing that I'm trying to say to you today is this. That when it comes to our faith, There has to be a point in our lives where we begin to understand that in order for us to live out those things on an ongoing basis, we have to fall in love with Jesus so much more than we probably do. This is the message that Pastor Shane was talking about last week. It comes all the way back to our relationship with Christ. Because can I tell you this? That when I read God's word and I read about how much Jesus gave of himself and what he did in this world to show his love for me, you know what happens to me? My love for Jesus grows even more. When I go back into the Old Testament, I begin to read the stories that lead me to understand what the New Testament is all about that led Jesus to do what he did on the cross. I'm blown away by that. 
And then, in the evenings, when I take time to pray, and when I pray and I bring my requests to God, and I know that He hears me, and that time that I spend with God in prayer, He speaks to me, and I hear Him, and He hears me, and He starts to lead me in the paths that He would want me to go. Wow, my relationship with God grows. And when I pray for you, and I pray for the requests that people come to me with, and God answers my prayer, it's so amazing that I hear that God, that God hears me. And you know what that, that does to my relationship with God? It makes it grow. And I fall in love with God all the more. And so these things that, that we struggle to do, we start to do because you know what? It draws us closer to God. The, the, the love that we have for Jesus just moves us and drives us to make these practices, these spiritual disciplines, a joy to do because in the end, the relationship that we have with God grows. And that affects the relationships that we have with those around us. And then, my goodness, nothing's the same. Because God has come in a fresh and a new way into our lives. But you know what? It's never going to happen if we're the same people that we are today. If I just stayed the same college student that I was, because you know what? Honestly, what, what, what God was calling, what God wants to do is God wants to bless us, right? And we have a total misunderstanding of what blessing really is because, and you probably have friends like this that are wealthy beyond you even imagine. I have friends like that. I go visit them sometimes and walk into their mansion, their beautiful home, and outside are parked four or five different beautiful cars, and they wear the nicest clothes. And so you just say, oh, man, what a beautiful home. And look at your pool and all your cars. And you dress so well. And and you know what their response is, right? (laughs) Thanks. I'm blessed. But that's not exactly what the Bible says. In fact, That's not at all what the Bible says being blessed is. If you turn to Matthew chapter 5, there you see what the Bible calls blessings, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. You're like, what? Poor in spirit? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. The meek? Yeah, the meek. In fact, I have it in my notes of all the different things that we're blessed with, if I can find it in my notes Getting old is terrible. I can't see anything anymore. I thought this was good, but after not preaching for a year, I'm just like, oh, I can't see anything. But you go turn to Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who mourn. Um, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Um, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those, in the end, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And blessed are you if you're persecuted because of Christ. And you're like, no, 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 that's not what blessings is. Blessing is the nice house on the hill with the cars. No, 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 no. The the true blessing is what the Bible teaches us. So you ask yourself, how do I feel blessed going through all of that? That almost sounds like a curse. But when you experience this dynamic relationship with Jesus, 
that leads us to a life of humility, a life of, of being a, a person that reconciles yourself and others to God, then the values of your life changes. And you know what? That beautiful house on the hill, good, that's wonderful. And if God blesses me with that, great. But you know what? I can find true blessings from the very things the Bible teaches me about and rejoice in those things. You know why? Because I am being changed. When I was a college student, the thing that was different about me was I was, I, I, I was proud. I was rude. I wanted that mansion on the hill. I wasn't a good example of Jesus, even though I wanted to be. I wanted to serve God with all my heart. And I wanted my spiritual life to be the most exciting thing about my life. But it wasn't. And I needed to change. And that's where God began to change in me. When I started to love Jesus more than all those other things. And then, when I read this book, The Celebration of Discipline, and it talked about... uh, it talked about the three different uh, lifestyles of discipline, the inward, the outward, and the, and, and, and the communal. And I said, wow, I can put these things into practice. And so I started to practice these, these inward disciplines to help me draw nearer to the Lord. And then these outward disciplines where my life begins to be an example for those around me so that when they see me, they see Jesus. And then the corporate disciplines that I practice with the church so that we as a team can grow together. Oh my gosh. Then my life began to change. My heart began to change because I began to fall in love with Jesus more. And these spiritual disciplines, they were a joy to do. Just like going to basketball practice was so much fun because I did it with my friends and we were all getting better at basketball. When we gather together, church, and we live this stuff out on the right side, these beautiful spiritual disciplines, not because we have to, but because we get to. And when we do it together, we fall more in love with Jesus. Oh, man. Then memorizing scripture gets fun. I feel like sometimes we do ourselves a disservice when we tell our children in Sunday school to memorize scripture and none of us in here do it. (laughs) That's the Holy Spirit speaking, by the way. (laughs) You feel that conviction. So church, today, I just have a message of, 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 of encouragement to you, that in order for us to live out the spiritual disciplines of our lives, we need to be transformed spiritually, right? Because doing all that in and of itself is just hard. But when we love Jesus, when we love Jesus, He, the relationship that he, we have with Him, spurs us on to be able to do it, right? It all goes back to our heart's desire. When I was a kid, my heart's desire was to play in the NBA. (laughs) I grew three feet too short. (laughs) And and I couldn't do it. But I still love playing basketball. When it comes to your spiritual life today, what's your heart's desire? 
What's your heart's desire? Is it to know Jesus more and fall deeply in love with him and allow the example that Jesus left for us to be the life that we live for ourselves? There's a word in the church that we say to be Christ-like. Can we be everything like Jesus? I don't know. We can try, though. And I know that if we try, and if we try to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and follow the path that he walked, it'll get us closer to becoming a person that God would have us to be. That's one thing that I know for sure. And you know what the best thing about it is? That we get to do this together. The best thing about going to basketball practice was I did it with my team, the people that I cared for, and we built great bonds of relationship with one another. And the beauty of our church is that we get to do this together. I get to do this with you, Peggy, and you get to do this with me. And we can encourage one another and help one another along. And you know what? Along the way, will we experience defeats? Yeah, sometimes 79 to 0. But our love for Jesus doesn't have to end. We can still love Jesus through this. In fact, that love for Jesus is what pulls us through those defeats. My love for basketball is what made me not care that the first season I played basketball, I didn't win a single game. Thank God I got better. (laughs) And we did better the next year. I moved up to the B team, and we won more games than we lost. That was fun. And I want you to know, that we can all experience spiritual victories for the long haul, not just for the three weeks, but over the course of our life, and then experience the most exciting life that God would have us to live when we first get right our relationship with Jesus. When we love him with all of our hearts. That's what the great commandment says, right? Can you put up the slide for the great commandment? This is what Jesus taught us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. I don't know if you can be much clearer than that. Are we living that? And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two. So church... Today, my encouragement to you as we finish up our our message today. It all goes back to our relationship with Jesus. That's what it is, right? For some of you, that might be a brand new relationship. And if it is, wow, what a great place to get started in church. For some of you, it might be a time of renewal, of renewing that commitment to Jesus Don't worry about any of the spiritual disciplines if you don't have the commitment to Jesus squared away. Because you won't do them. (laughs) It's true. But when you get that relationship with Christ right, everything begins on the right path. As we start off this new year, I hope that you can keep your New Year's resolutions. And if you look beyond what the resolution is, and what you love, and if you can tie that in, guess what? You'll you'll do a better job of living out that resolution. But more importantly than any New Year's resolution, unless 
It's to improve the spiritual disciplines of your life. Is let's get right with Jesus today. Yeah? If we do that, then the amens on the right side of the screen, they'll all be there. And you know why? Because we're going to do it together. We're going to do it together as a team. Can you put back the uh, Hebrews passage for me? I want to end with the passage that I was supposed to begin with. Therefore, we are the cloud of witnesses together right here. So let us all throw off what hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, right? That's so easy. And let us run with perseverance. Let's do this for the long haul. The race marked out for us. God has put this out there for us. He has a plan for us. We just need to follow him. And verse 2 there, that's the key. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. What you look at is where you go, right? Because it's right there. Today, would you join me in fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and suffered its shame? Let him be our example.